I want you to quote this scripture with me again, 2 Timothy 1.7. You say, Pastor, if you poke me, that scripture comes out of my mouth. That's a good thing. Amen? So go ahead and poke yourself and say, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, no, uh, these events were not uh, disclosed to me or really to, to anybody else that I know in detail about the wars and rumors of wars. But how do you understand the Lord knows what we need? And He doesn't want a, an ounce of fear left in you. Amen. In fact, Paul said it like this in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe, first for the Jew, than for the Gentile. One of the things the devil has managed to do during COVID and its aftermath is silence the church, push, push, you know, push the church back into a corner, into a closet behind its four walls and operate in a fear known as shame. Say it, I'm not ashamed. In 2 Timothy 1.8, Paul said this to his son Timothy, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. We go ahead and we come out of that shadow, and we be what God's called us to be. Say it with me, I am not afraid. My sister was telling me a story just a few weeks ago. She had you know, come up on a car that was stalled somewhere on the highway outside of uh, where they live uh, in Conroe, Texas. And, and uh, she was concerned about this lady that was standing there because, you know, you couldn't see her real well. It was concerned for her safety. So she stopped and said, is there anything you need? She said, well, I called for a tow truck. And it was cold and her car wasn't running. And so Tammy said, well, why don't you come on and sit in here with me? And so she did. The lady sat down and she said she was, uh, she thought she was of Asian descent and in broken English. She looked over at, at Tammy and said, are you a Christian? And, she, and Tammy said, yes, I'm a Christian. And you know what the lady said? She said, I want to become a Christian too. Just, just like that. Uh, Todd's right. We've overcomplicated this thing. I mean, there are divine appointments that are out there for you, but you can't be ashamed of the gospel, you can't let shame hide you. And shame is just another manifestation of fear. You've probably already figured that out. The devil will use whatever he thinks will work on you. Look at somebody and say, it won't work on me anymore. In 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul said, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Jesus said it like this in Luke 9, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Again, shame is just another manifestation of fear. It's an effort of the enemy to push God's people around and make them subject once again to what everybody else thinks about them. You know, the Bible says that the fear of man disables. The fear of man keeps us from being what God's called us to be. You and I are not called to care about the opinions of other people. And yet, like the world, too many times we care most about what people think. Amen. Do what they think, act how they think, you know. Get involved in what they think we should get involved in. No. The Bible tells us the fear of human opinion disables trusting in God protects you from that. Say this way, I'm going to trust in God. I'm not going to trust in the opinions of people. And you know, you know, opinions are, are uh, varied depending on who you ask. 
Everybody has a different idea. You know, only one opinion for you matters, and that's the Lord's opinion. Say it with me, no shame, no fear here. When the world is saying keep Jesus to yourself, we need to live more openly and boldly than we ever have before. Because we happen to have the answers. Turn to somebody and tell them, you happen to be right about this. Come on, tell somebody else, you happen to be right about this. Jesus is the answer. There is only one way to heaven. There's only one name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. You say, well, that's awful arrogant. Well, you know, take it up with the Father. He's the one that said it. Now, that being true, we should be more bold than ever because we're not walking around with things we think we know or that we hope are true. We know these things. Amen. And so when you're walking in truth, there's no reason for you to walk around in shame. There's a concept I want you to get a hold of. You know, in the, in the Bible, it tells the story of a man that came to a man's door real late at night because he had a knee because some friends had dropped by. And he's pounded on the door, but he won't get up. Here's the take on this from Jesus. He says, I, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because of he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Say that it would be importunity. I know that's a word you use every day in your language in English, amen? Every, you can't wait to use that thing tomorrow, amen? So you can look real sharp. But it's an old English word, and it simply means this, bold, shameless persistence. Come on, say it. Bold, shameless persistence. Confidence to do and say what is right and refuse to be denied. Shamelessness means you're not ashamed to ask and keep on asking, you're not ashamed of how you look to others. You're not ashamed to persist. You're not ashamed to make a demand on the one who can make a difference in your life. And persistence, steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay. Say it with me, bold, shameless, persistence. Until what? Until the desired end is met. Say it with me, importunity. Come on, say it with a smile, importunity. You know, if you say it with a smile, you look smarter. Say importunity. You know what it really tells us? It tells us that we don't stop until we see the desired end. Even to the point of annoyance. Now the devil's been annoying you for a long time. It's about time we annoyed him with our what? Shameless, bold persistence in being and doing what God wants us to do. Say it with me, importunity. Say bold, shameless, persistence to the point of annoying. You remember what that's like when you had little kids trying to check out at the uh, you know, grocery store? Can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? Can I have that? You know that uh, when you're a parent, you parent your child one way when you become a grandparent. It's just like, whatever goes. Amen. I remember, you know, when we went shopping, Timothy was just real little. He would ask for something or put something in the cart, and Kelly would take it out. Now everything that Juliana puts in the cart, she gets checked out. And the bad thing is, Timothy is aware of this. Amen. It's just different. But how many other kids can be annoying sometimes? 
Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I? You ever take a road trip with them? Are we there yet? 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 They took Timothy and his friend Drew Keller to Florida one time. That was fun. And if it wasn't one asking, are we there yet? It was the other one. If it wasn't one asking to go to the bathroom, it was the other one. And so I just plied them with snacks and food and candy. Do you know that two years later, I was still finding candy and wrappers in the back of that seat? <laughs> it's about time we started to annoy the devil. Come on, say it. To the point of annoying the devil. Shameless persistence and boldness. When I think about this, I think about the tendency for anybody under pressure to, to wilt, to, to stand back, to shrink back. And we know that, uh, you know, Peter, for example, made some bold declarations, even if everybody forsakes you, I never will. But there he is in the courtyard after Jesus' arrest, sitting there at a little, you know, homemade fire, and somebody recognizes him as a Galilean, and he with cursing denies the Lord three times, and then what happens? The rooster crows. And of course, you know, the rest is, is history. Well, how do you go from that to the Peter we find in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4? How does somebody go from the fear and the shame and, and the intimidation to being what he became the great apostle for Jesus Christ? I want you to think about this because, you know, if you look in chapter 3 and chapter 2, I want you just to, to, to read those and study those. When you look at chapter 3, when the Spirit of God was poured out and people began to make fun of them, saying they were drunk, and of course he said, no, it's only what? So at 9 o'clock in the morning, that may be 5 o'clock for somebody, but for those, it was 9 o'clock in the morning. And he said, no, we're not drunk with wine, as you suppose, but this is the fulfillment of what Joel actually spoke. And he began to preach. And how many people got saved? The same guy in the courtyard 50 days later is the guy preaching getting 3,000 people saved. And then when the Pharisees you know, apprehended them, he didn't back down. They noted that these guys had been with Jesus, and they said, we forbid you to teach anymore in this, in this name. And Peter said, guess what? We ought to obey God rather than man. Say it with me, 50 days. Say it again, 50 days. He's denying the Lord. And now the same people that he was afraid of, he's in their face saying, we ought to obey God. You know, Jesus forecasted this transformation in Mark chapter 3, verse 16. He said, and Simon, he's surnamed Peter. Come on, say it. And Simon, he's surnamed Peter. If you do it with an Irish accent, you get more points. Amen. And Simon, he's surnamed Peter. One of my favorite preachers, Leslie Hale. <laughs> Come on, say it. And Simon, he's surnamed Peter. It doesn't seem like a big deal until you find out that Simon means a reed, a piece of grass. And wherever the wind blows, that's where it goes. And Peter means what? Rock. In the, in the courtyard, he was Simon. In Acts chapter 3, a man gets healed. Amen. And he boldly testifies, you want to know how this happened? We'll tell you. That's same Jesus 
you crucified is responsible for this man being healed. He goes from being a reed to a rock. Can I tell you, the Lord is interested in removing all of your reed tendencies and making you a rock for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he could do it for him, he can do it for you. He is no respecter of persons. And when I read that story and I meditate on it, it's one of the greatest transformations that's documented in Scripture. Obviously, Paul's transformation is miraculous. Obviously, what God did with Thomas was miraculous. But to see this transformation where he goes from denying the Lord with cussing to preaching on the day, I'm in where the Spirit of God is poured out to saying 3,000 saved, supernatural healing of a man that was born in a situation where he would, would not walk, he would not work. The whole community knew this man. To see God use him like that, Jesus was right. He turned into a rock, didn't he? But my mind goes to what happened? What happened that this man could go from sitting around a courtyard, you know, courtyard in fear and terror and shame to being this great man that God was using? And the Lord just began to, to speak to me, and I want to just you know, share these with you. What happened, first of all, the resurrection happened. This resurrected Lord called for all of his disciples through the angelic hosts. He said, tell my disciples and Peter. And when they met, the Spirit says that he, he breathed on the Holy Spirit. Now because of the resurrection, there can be new birth in the early church. And that resurrection tells Peter and tells me and you that everything he said is true. Arrested? Yes. Chastised? Beaten? Yes. Crucified? Yes. Buried? Yes. But there he is. And even though you haven't seen him, you believe. But that belief is still as transformational for you and for me as it was for Peter. For Peter. Say it with me. He is alive. Come on, say, he is alive. And everything he said is true. I don't disrespect people that believe other things and believe other world religions, but I can tell you that the every other founder of every other world religion in the history of mankind is still in the grave. If you don't understand everything about Christianity, fine. If you don't understand the way some Christians act, fine. But focus on that one thing. He's the only one that got up. He is the only sinless, spotless Son of God, and He's alive. What happened to Peter was, whatever he thought, how it was going to end, it didn't end that way. How I many you know God always has holy surprises for us? And up from the grave He rose. You know how the song goes? Because He lives. Say it with me. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Amazing, isn't it? That one act, supernatural act of our Heavenly Father to raise up Jesus, what happened was the resurrection happened. And that same power lives in you and me today. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you if you're a believer. Say it, I'm a believer. Say it, the same power that raised him from the dead is in me. Say, what happened? What happened, number two, is grace and mercy happened. 
the Lord personally began to restore him. Simon, do you love me more than these? Feed my sheep. You know how the story goes. Three times you ask him the question in different form or fashion. And basically his confession was, yes, I do. Now his job was to follow him and do what he was supposed to do. But I want to point this out to you. Some of y'all think that you have outgraced God and outmercyed God. Some of you think that God can't possibly do something with you. I want you to understand that you don't deserve his, his grace. It's, it's unmerited. And you don't deserve his mercy. You don't deserve for him to get you out of the mess that you created. Look at somebody and say, and I know you've created some messes. Big messes. But how many can testify that he didn't leave you in your mess? Come on, raise your hand if you say he did not leave me in my mess. The stories that could be told today just like Peter, he found us in that condition, and instead of throwing us away, you denied me, I don't have any use for you. He personally came to him with grace and with mercy, with forgiveness and with power to overcome the distress that he caused. He's not done with you either. Amen. What happened was the resurrection. What happened was the Lord personally applied grace and mercy into his life. And he would never be the same. And you can tell he was touched by it in his writings. Amen. Say it with me. Grace and mercy for me. No matter what you've done. No matter uh, how ugly you've been. Amen. And some of you have been professional sinners. And he still loves you. Amen. What happened? Jesus rose from the dead. What happened? He personally comes to you with grace and with mercy. What happened? The third thing that happened was the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Say it again, thank God for the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost, they were all in one court in one place. The Bible says what happened? sound of a rushing wind came in and filled the place. And it seemed like, what, tongues of fire sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can I tell you something? You're never the same once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was saved, yes. The Bible says of King Saul, who was intimidated and afraid, in fact, when Samuel was was looking to anoint a king for Israel. He's hiding in the luggage rack. But this man was anointed, and the scripture says that you're going to meet some folks that are going to be playing instruments and singing and prophesying, and you're going to be what? The Spirit of God is going to come on you, and you're going to be changed to a different person. What happened? The resurrection. What happened? Grace and mercy. What happened? The Holy Ghost happened. And he was one of those in that upper room. And when he came out, he was not the same. Fifty days from his denial, and he's empowered to preach like that and get people healed. He goes from being a reed to a rock. That's just what the Holy Ghost does. There is nothing that will drive out fear in your life like a present-day active relationship with the Holy Spirit. I mentioned last week many gentlemen leading ministries who 
who denied the Lord and, and said, I denounced Christianity and walked away. You know that the overwhelming majority of those that do that have never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's not impossible for someone to do that. But I want you to understand the power that is there for you and for me. He is interested in every one of you becoming a rock. Bolder than you've ever been in your entire life. We're living in a generation and a church age where even churches that say they believe in the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit for whatever reason, refuse to emphasize it. We can't do what we're called to do without the Holy Ghost. You can't do what you're called to do without the Holy Ghost. You'll never make it. You can't be fearless and bold without the Holy Ghost. We have parents across the country raised in this, and then willfully choose to not raise their children and grandchildren in this. I know you can't make anybody do anything. When your influence is, it doesn't matter if you don't receive these things. Listen, if it was important enough for him to tell them to wait in the upper room, and then Peter comes out and says, this gift is for you and for your children and for their children, as far off as what? As many as our Lord shall Call, if you're born again, he wants you to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be empowered. In Acts chapter 1, you, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You need the power of God to be his witness. There's no fear in telling your story when you have a you know, present day relationship with the Holy Spirit. I sympathize more than that. I empathize with anybody who was raised up in church and taught about the born-again experience or taught about church membership and taught about the things of God generically but never received instruction about the Holy Ghost. I do. In fact, in my church growing up, um, when they read a passage about the Holy Spirit, there was no commentary. There was no, there was no sermon. It would just move on. And part of the problem was in that particular denomination, there was a massive outpouring at several Lutheran seminaries and many students and professors were baptized in the Holy Spirit and the Synod said this, you can practice these things, you have a right to practice your spirituality, but do not teach them publicly. Well, you and I know that faith comes by hearing. Say so it would be faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. If you don't preach the new birth, you don't get the new birth. If you don't preach healing, you don't get healing. If you don't preach what? The baptism in the Holy Ghost, the same thing that turned Peter from a reed to a rock, you don't get it. And it's worse than that. We're like the lepers there, the four that were waiting to die because of the siege. And then we find out there's this great deliverance and victory and we don't go back and tell anybody. We want to tell you that there's something awesome for you. And so when I was about three days shy of graduating from high school, my sister handed me a little booklet that John Osteen wrote 
called Receive You of the Holy Ghost. And in that booklet, he told a little story about a man who saved all of his money. And he wanted to come to America. So he saved all of his money to get passage on that ship. And he didn't have any money for anything else, no meals, no food, no anything, no entertainment. So he brought a bunch of cheese and crackers that would last for 30 days or so across that great body of water. And he'd sit in the corner when everybody else was eating at the buffet and everybody else was having a good time. He just sat over there in the corner having his cheese and his crackers. And one day the steward comes by and he goes, what are you doing? He explained, well, I have, you know, just enough money to have passage to come over here. And so when everybody else was doing their thing, I just come over and eat. I'm having a great time. I'm, you know, I'm coming, I'm on the ship. I'm coming over here. I'm getting to America. He told him, sir, didn't you realize that when you paid for your ticket, it included all the meals as well? And I'm telling you that when you punched your ticket to heaven, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is included. It's part of what God wants you to have. Now, I got the new birth and baptized the same night. What I mean by that, I was denominational, I was confirmed, but I had never made a personal commitment to Christ. And that's central, and that's key, and that's first. Say it with me, it is first. There's no, there's no replacing that. There is nothing else that can happen until you first of all get right with the Lord. Turn to somebody and say, we got to get right. Say it again, we got to get right with the Lord. But later that evening, my sister laid hands on me, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I began to speak in other tongues. And she, sounded, she said, I sound like a little Jap. Whatever that is. And I want you to know that that's when I stopped being a reed. And started turning into a rock for the Lord. That's when all of my plans gave way to his plans. That's where a fear of being called religious and fanatic. I had one relative say, well, you know, art seeing the light now. They had no idea. More importantly, the light saw me. Are you here today? That same night, I was sick for two years solid. I had, I had mono, I had lung infections, I had all kinds of issues. I had a severe problem for two years. That night, not only did he baptize me in the Holy Ghost, that same Spirit of God healed me of a two-year affliction. And it's never been back. I thank God for his power and his grace. But I want you to understand what happened was the resurrection, and what happened was the grace and mercy, and what happened was the Holy Ghost. We'll never get you completely fearless if we can't get you to accept what Jesus has already paid for. Paul ran into some disciples from Ephesus, and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And you know what they said? We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. That was my testimony. And that may be yours today. I don't care what denomination you come back from, you, you, your background is. This does not belong to the Charismatics. Well, baptism of the Holy Ghost does not belong to the Pentecostals. It doesn't belong to the Baptists. It doesn't belong to the Catholics. It doesn't belong to the Episcopalians. It doesn't belong to the Presbyterians. It doesn't belong to the First Church of the Frigidaria. It does not belong to a denomination. Jesus called it the gift of the Father. He told them, wait until you receive the gift that my Father promised. And some of y'all be all psyched up if your Father left a brand new 
spanked the new car in the, in the driveway and gave you the keys. You say, the gift of my father. Wouldn't that be awesome? I finally got some of y'all's attention. Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. Now, if pastor start talking about pot roast, he'll really get me going. Amen. Praise the Lord. What he left for you, he never forsook the church. He went up and he sent the Holy Ghost down. And nothing has changed. There's not a person in this room that need walk out of this room saved only. You can have the same thing in your life. And that boldness will come on you. Notice I said boldness, not weirdness. Amen? Not goofiness. Not strangeness. Was it strange to the unbeliever? Yes. They're not drunk with wine as you what? As you suppose. It must have been a strange sight. But they were just what? Manifesting what they had received. And they had a right to manifest what they had received. Amen. Those of us who have experienced this, God is calling you to stay filled like you never have before. God is calling you to use your prayer language like you have never before used. You're an intercessor and everything that you pray comes to pass and everything you pray lines up with the word of God. But I am telling you that God is about to pull his net on the modern body of Christ and baptize his people by the hundreds of thousands in this nation. There is no franchise on the Holy Ghost. It's for all of his people. It's for all of his people. Everything changes when the Holy Ghost comes into your life like that. You're never the same. Through the years, I've just done what I just did, told my story. Um, it's my testimony. It also, of course, is depicted in Acts chapter 9, 8, 9, and 10, and 19. Say it with me, Acts chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10, 19. I say that to remind you it's biblical. But my experience is how transformational the experience actually is and how much God wants to bestow it upon whosoever will, who will receive it. Um, one time um, over in the old dome, on a Sunday afternoon, the Lord said, you know, I just want you to hold off on whatever you were going to preach, and I want you just to get up there and read Acts chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10, and 19. And I don't want you to preach or teach on it, I just want you to share the scriptures and then just open up the altar for people who've been saved. Say, we'll be saved, but want the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so I did. And uh, obviously, I mean, the Lord knows what he's doing. And the other thing he said is, I don't want you down rain for them. It's kind of a strange thing. And so they stretch from one side of the dome all the way to the other. You know, people ranging from teenagers all the way up to people 67 years old, college students. And then I just felt impressed to just pray a prayer, and I prayed a prayer. And how many of the kids played with firecrackers when you were kids? How many will admit that? I know I've been doing some destructive things with firecrackers. Okay, you need to repent before we go any further right now and, and deal with that nonsense. But, you know, you daisy chain them, what happens? 
boom, 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 or you throw an entire pack out, what do they do? They begin to, what, lie to each other and they explode. But this is what that was like from the left side of that dome, chain reaction, boom, 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 one after the other began to speak in tongues as it went across the, the, the congregation. And there must have been 50 people that night baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, there were a couple that were, uh, that were kind of stubborn about it. And I said, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? And there's one gentleman there that uh, he told me, <laughs> y'all okay? <laughs> he told me, and this is just exactly what he said, a couple weeks before. And I didn't beg anybody to come down. I just opened up the altar. He came down there because he was hungry. How many know when you're thirsty? Jesus said this on the last and greatest day of the feast. If any man thirsts, let him come unto what me and drink. And as the scripture says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water manifested by that tongue speech or the language. Uh, he told me it'll be a cold day in hell that he ever gets baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaks in tongues. Well, that night was a cold day in heaven. Amen. Because <laughs> it was him. He him like a ton of bricks. He's no respecter of persons. All you have to do is just celebrate your salvation and drink of his spirit and receive. And it's yours. I have laid hands on Baptists. Everybody say, God bless the Baptists. I've laid hands on Catholics. Everybody say, God bless the Catholics. Yes, I'm telling you, there are some born-again Catholics, believe that or not. I have laid hands on, on Presbyterians, on Methodists, on total heathens once they got saved. You name the denomination. And you know what they all have in common? Saved, thirsty, and would receive it. Would receive it. Amen. Craig, there's a cup on that table back there. If you would, get it for me. One of those Hope Harbor cups. They all had the same thing in common. They had already made up their mind. They were going to receive everything God had for them before they were ever prayed for. Amen. Now, every once in a while, I run into somebody that uh, they, uh, they're hungry and they're thirsty, but when they come down to pray, they, they bite down on their teeth like they're about to go in for some amputation or something like that. Uh, he will not possess you, you understand this. He will fill you to the full until what happens is it manifests in a language that you never learned. But he will not grab your jaw or your tongue and make you speak it. Hey, Pastor, don't you know the things you're talking about are not politically correct? That's not my call. Most of you know that I don't care about being politically correct at all. Is being biblically correct. And regardless of denomination or background, if they truly had believed the Lord for their salvation, they could receive, and they have received. I lost count of about the 600 number count of people I've laid hands on personally through the years. And it's just as simple as, as this. He has a gift for you. So he has a gift for me. What happened was the resurrection. What happened was grace and mercy. What happened was also the Holy Ghost. So how do I, how do I take it? How do I get it? 
You receive it. You receive it by faith. How did you get saved? Same way. So Jimmy here stands up, and he, uh, he says, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go from being a reed to what? To a rock. I want all fear pushed out of my life. I want to see you do in my life what you did in Peter's life. And it's very, very simple. The Spirit of God does not have to be sent down. He's already here. All you have to do is open up your vessel for it. So he says, how, how do I receive? It's just that simple. I have a gift for you. I'll give you my cup back. <laughs> Did you see that? No, you know, beating yourself in the head and running around screaming. Just what? What do you do? He just reached out and he took it. He reached out and took it. I found out that night I was baptized in the Holy Spirit that as a Christian, if there's anything in your heart like bitterness or unforgiveness, it has to go because it'll block the things of God. And that night I repented of some things and got right with the Lord and was never the same. I can tell you this, that uh, no matter who you are, he loves you. And he has a plan for you just like Peter, but it's going to require the Holy Ghost to get you there. Come on, say it with me. Thank God. Thank God. Say it, thank God, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Say it again, thank God for the Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask this worship team to come back. I want you to stand to your feet just very... Uh, very reverentially before the, the presence of God today. Thank you, my Father.